to start? <laughs> All right. All right. We're live. And uh, you're getting a little technical difficulty stuff along with me. And uh, just want to make sure that everything's working good. And uh, we're so thankful that we can have this opportunity to come before everybody and to see that uh, even though we are miles apart from each other and houses apart from each other and so forth, we can still come together through uh, Facebook and uh, be able to see each other and, and, and to be encouraged by one another and so forth. But happy Resurrection Day! And I hope that you are gloriously uh, praising the Lord for what He's done for you through His resurrection. And, uh, well, the church facility is just about empty other than just the two people that are here with us. And uh, how you like this? I was thinking about this this week. Um, a new term that we never heard of a few months back, social distancing. Who would have ever thought about that terminology? And now it's just an everyday household term now, practicing social distancing. And so uh, there's just a couple of us here in the church practicing social distancing, even though two people sitting six feet apart from each other. And uh, at any rate, so even though the church is empty, the church building, the church facility is empty. And as many people have commented over the last several days, but so is the tomb. And we're excited that we get to serve a risen Savior. Amen? That's exciting. And, uh, you know, it's not like any other religion that is made by man. If you think of all the religions that have been started by mankind, there's usually an originator who died. And when they died, is kind of the end of them. Well, our Savior died, went into the tomb, and three days later, as foretold in Scripture, He arose. And the tomb is empty, and because of that, we can rejoice, and we have the hope of heaven because of that great truth. So today is a special day. Uh, not only do we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we are also going to celebrate the Lord's table from our homes. And uh, many of you sporadically stopped by the church over the last couple days, and you grabbed your little communion cups and so forth, and... Uh, and uh, I know some of you didn't get a chance to get out and about, but let me encourage you as we are just going to, in just a moment, give a couple more of announcements and then uh, proceed in the Lord's table. If you need to take a minute to go get some supplies, uh, feel free to do that. And I encourage you all to send some text messages out to your friends and family and relatives and coworkers and all that and just encourage them to join in and uh, celebrate the Lord's resurrection this day. But if you need to gather some supplies around the house, if you've got some grape juice and some bread and uh, want to celebrate with us, I encourage you to do that. It's a great opportunity, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But go ahead and grab them. And uh, before we get started, but I want, to let, I want to just take a moment and lead in prayer and I encourage you to pray with me, along with me, as we just celebrate the Lord's resurrection. So uh, let's, just, let's just take a moment and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity that draws us together on this day. Lord, for many people, it's Easter, but Lord, for those of us who are Christ followers, it's Resurrection Day. We get to celebrate the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And Lord, we're so thankful because he is risen, we too have the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with him one day as our Savior. 
And Lord, we're so thankful for that freedom that we have in you because of what you've done for us. And I ask God that you would speak to our hearts this day. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, the opportunity to know you through salvation. And Lord, the fact that, uh, Lord, we don't have to hope, we don't have to think, we don't have to wish, but we can know that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Your word tells us that in 1 John 5. These things have I written unto you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life. And we're so thankful, Lord, for that promise and that, that glorious hope that we have in knowing you as our Savior. Lord, I thank you for those who are instrumental in, in sharing the gospel with me as a young child. And Lord, at my home church. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord the message that was shared that morning when I knelt down uh, beside the couch and asked the Lord Jesus to be my Savior. And I'm thankful for that day. And Lord, I, Lord, I thank you for all those who have been so faithful in sharing the gospel throughout the years and sharing the gift of salvation, the hope that we have an eternal life in Jesus Christ, Lord, who have been faithful to, to proclaim the gospel. Lord, we thank you so much for them. Lord, we pray that, Lord, not only for our church family, but church families all around the globe. Lord, as this day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord, that wherever the gospel message is going out, wherever the word of God is preached this morning, and Lord, we know that already throughout the, the wee hours of the, of the night, Lord, uh, some churches have already gathered around the globe. And uh, Lord, as we say often every week, Lord, there are churches that gather under the trees and down by the shore and uh, up in the attic and down in the basement and out in the woods and Lord, wherever they are gathering, Lord, I pray that your word would accomplish your purpose, Lord. And Lord, that many people from around the world, Lord, would come to know you as their Lord and Savior this day because of what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary, Lord, because you did not stay in the tomb, because you arose from the grave, Lord. I pray, Lord, that many will come to understand that and trust you to be their Savior. So, Lord, I ask that you just... Wherever the word of God is going forth this day, Lord, that it would accomplish your intended purposes. And Lord, I pray that it be each and every one of our church families, Lord, our friends, our, our co-workers, our, our, our relatives, Lord, that you keep us safe and healthy, Lord. We know that we're living in some unusual times, Lord. And I ask God that you would just continue to put your hand of uh, protection about your people, Lord. Keep us uh, safe from the virus, Lord. Give us strength, Lord, for those who who have had to endure it, Lord. And thank you for those who've gotten sick that it didn't develop into that. Lord, I just thank you for how you are at work. And I ask God that you just continue to show yourself strong, Lord, by, by giving us good health, Lord, that we can praise you and worship you, uh, Lord, as we ought. Lord, I just pray also that you would just be with America right now, Lord, around the United States, around the world, Lord, with this virus uh, that's going about, Lord. I just pray that you would just Give those who are researching it, Lord, uh, Lord, not only the security of knowing that you'll keep them safe, but Lord, also that they might be able to find the cure, the vaccination, Lord, the, Lord, the, the ability to, to help those with it, Lord, to overcome it, Lord, with victory. And Lord, I just pray that you give uh, all those in our country, Lord, who are in places of leadership, wisdom to know how to lead during these unforeseen days, Lord. But Lord, I pray that, Lord, whether we're in that last day, whether we're in those final days before the coming of the Lord is, is uh, made clear, but Lord, I, Lord, whether we are or not, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be ready. May we be found ready uh, for your appearing. And then we ask, God, that you would just help us to stay faithful, help us to stay obedient, help us to trust you in all things, Lord, because we know that you're a great and awesome, powerful God, and we trust that you would be with us, Lord. 
and show yourself strong, Lord, when we sense your presence at work in our midst. And we'll praise you, Lord, for whatever you see fit to do. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we do have the opportunity and the freedom and the privilege uh, to partake in the Lord's table. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to be reading from verses 23 through 32. And I'm looking forward to this because it's just a, a real awesome uh, blessing and opportunity to, even though we're not gathered as a church family, we are gathered through our homes and so forth, and we can together still partake. So let me encourage you to do that. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also... He took the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are judged by the Lord. We are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. The first thing I want you to realize is that it's an opportunity to remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. There are two elements that we often talk about when we partake of the Lord's table. The first one is the wafer or the bread that represents the Lord's body. And then also the cup uh, re- holding the juice representing the Lord's blood. And we do this in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Uh, I was thinking this week in preparation for this, who was involved in my coming to understand what Jesus did for me on the cross? I don't know the man's name. Uh, I don't know that he's still alive today because it happened when I was just a young child. But I remember it like it happened yesterday. In my home church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, I was excited because that particular morning, really, I didn't really want to go to church, but I was a bus kid, and some of you remember those days. And my mom said, hey, you can go to church, just go to your brother's class. I guess that was one way of bribing me to get to go to ch- go to church when I really didn't want to go. I was just a little kid. And, uh, well, if I get to go to my brother's class, I guess I'll quit griping and go. And so that's what every Sunday school teacher wants to hear. You got a you kid who's a lot younger than the other kids in the class, but mom said he could go, so I got to let him in. So I went to my brother's class. My brother's four years older than me, and they had a special guest teacher that particular day. And that particular day, he was a chalk artist. And uh, he was fascinated, or he fascinated me because he kept doing something, and I didn't understand what he was doing. But he would talk a little bit about the crucifixion and those who were involved with it. And uh, he would tell a little bit of the story, and then he stepped behind this chalkboard, and I didn't know what he was doing back there. And then he'd tell a little bit more of the story, and then he'd step behind again. Then he'd tell a little bit more of the story, and then he'd step behind again. And finally, when he was all done with the story, he turned the chalkboard around, and it was a picture of the Roman soldier. 
he had drawn, drawn a perfect picture of a Roman soldier and told the story of how the Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross. But it wasn't about the Roman soldier. It was about Jesus Christ willingly giving his life for me. And as he was on that cross, he took on the sins of the world. And I realized that even as a young child that day, in my brother's Sunday school class, that I was a sinner, that I had done wrong. And that because of that sin, it separated me from Jesus Christ for all eternity, unless I was willing to repent of my sin, ask for Christ's forgiveness, and accept him as my Savior. So as a young child, I remember going home after that morning and kneeling down on the couch next to the, next to the couch by an end table and just asking Jesus to be my Savior and uh, to forgive me of my sins. I'll never forget that. I don't know the man's name. I don't know whether or not he's still alive today, but I thank God for him. And I think this is an opportunity not only to, first and foremost, and primarily give God thanks for sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross, but also just to, to be thankful for the people who are instrumental in, in allowing you to know the true message of the gospel and to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. So I'm always thankful and I'm thankful for the man who knocked on our, on our house door every week to see if he could bring us as children to church. Uh, Brian John, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being so obedient to what God asked you to do in, during, during those years and, and uh, being instrumental in knocking on our door six or seven Saturdays in a row until my parents finally said, fine, take all the kids. But because of that, I know Jesus as my Savior. So thank you for your obedience, Brian. We have this great opportunity to always remember. And so we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. But it doesn't stop there. He says in verse 27, So then whoever eats and bring, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. I think it's always important to realize why Jesus died on the cross he died on the cross because we had a sin debt that we could not pay. And so he paid that sin debt for us with his blood. And as he died on the cross, he says, hey, I love you. And he stretched out his arms. As they put the crown of thorns on his head, the blood came forth. But without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins, according to the book of Hebrews in the Bible. And because of that, we can have forgiveness. And uh, I think it's always good to remember that as we consider our own lives, the sin that we possess, it was that sin for which Jesus died. And so it says, let a man examine himself. Is there sin that I've not dealt with? It's an opportunity for us just to be, once again, thankful and to show our gratitude in dealing with our own sinfulness and thanking Jesus Christ for, get, for providing a way that we can have forgiveness of sin. Um, so it also says to judge ourselves and uh, to realize that we have an opportunity to deal with sin. And I'm thankful. This always reminds me, I'm thankful for a God who is patient, for a God who is long-suffering, um, for a God who is forbearing, uh, for a God who says, I'll give you another chance and another chance and another chance and over and over and over again is willing to forgive when we repent of our sins. I'm thankful for God's patience. I would encourage you this morning as we look specifically at verse 24. It says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
I want to take just a moment, first of all, to pray, to thank the Lord for his broken body, and then we'll partake of the wafer together. Lord, thank you for going to the cross of Calvary. Lord, thank you for being willing to go through that pain, that agony, that suffering. Lord, thank you for being willing, Lord, to to endure the cross so that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might have the opportunity to know you, to walk with you, to have a relationship with you, that we might have be able to spend eternity in heaven, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for this bread that represents your body. And I pray, God, that you would bless it. And Lord, may we never forget, may we always be mindful of your body that was broken for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This do in remembrance of me. And as we look at the cup, it's got juice in it. It represents the Lord's blood that was shed for us. It says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Let's once again look to the Lord in prayer, and I encourage you to pray with me, wherever you may be, in your homes. And let's just thank the Lord for his shed blood. Lord Jesus, thank you once again, not only for your broken body, but also, Lord, for the blood that you shed for us. Your word reminds us in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you that you are willing to shed your blood, give your life, that we might be able to spend eternity with you. Lord, I pray, God, that we, as we partake of this cup together, Lord, may we be mindful of the pain, the agony. Uh, Lord, the, the separation from your own father that you went through as you gave your life and shed your blood for us. May we always be reminded, may we never forget, may we never take it for granted, the love that you bestowed upon us that day. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about hope. I want to bring a message of hope. And uh, I'm excited about this. Well, there's a movie uh, that I enjoy watching every once in a while. It's called Shawshank Redemption. And uh, if you ever uh, had the opportunity to watch that movie, it seems like it's on all the time. But I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, It's an enjoyable movie. Uh, But maybe you've seen it. And there are a couple of scenes in the movie that are classic. Uh, throughout the whole movie, there's a special friendship between Red and Andy. Uh, Red knows that there is something unique about Andy, but he can't always put his finger on it. He just knows that there's something special, something unique, something different about Andy Dufresne. In one particular scene, Andy makes a statement where he says, I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. Red wasn't sure how to take that, uh, but I think Red thought that Andy's hope was all but gone. 
uh, imprisoned for a crime he hadn't committed. His wife was now deceased, and he was accused of the murder, but imprisoned for a crime he hadn't committed. I think Red thought that Andy was going to go kill himself. Especially Red thought that when he found out that Andy had asked for a piece of rope from a fellow prisoner. And um, the other quote that Andy makes is this. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best thing. And no good thing ever dies. Andy, as we found out later in the movie, had hope and he acted upon that hope. And you find out later what he did with that piece of rope. He uh, escaped prison and uh, as the story would have it, he found a sense of justice as the truth of the deceitful warden was later revealed. Having hope changed everything for Andy. You know, if there was ever a time in recent days that people needed hope, it's now. Wouldn't you agree? When we think of just the areas of our finances, when we think of our money, as we think of our jobs, it seems like everything is in a state of flux. And uh, who would have ever have thought, even just a month ago, maybe two months ago, that some jobs would be deemed essential and other jobs would be deemed unessential? And what's even more interesting is that some of the jobs that you would think are essential are considered not essential, and some of the jobs that you would say, why is that essential, aren't, or are. And uh, it's interesting who decides what is essential and who's not, but, and, but, but here's the thing. It seems as though that because of how everything is going, some people are losing their jobs, or being asked to cut their hours, or only come in certain days, or asked to take a pay cut to survive what is taking place in the world that we live in today. But everything, when it comes to our finances, are kind of up and down. It's like a roller coaster. You know, am I going to have a paycheck? Am I, am, am I going to be able to pay my mortgage? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to, you know, do the things that we normally would expect to do in a world that is not going through a pandemic? And so if there was ever a time that people needed hope, I think today is a good example of when we need hope. Uh, how about our health? I probably would imagine that most of us, looking back six weeks ago, never would have thought that our health would be in jeopardy. Thinking about a, a virus that is going across the country and across the world, and it's just happened so easily as one person visiting another person who visits another person, going into a crowd and taking those, virus, uh, those germs, and it's spreading and so forth. Who would have ever thought six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, four months ago, that our world would be experiencing what we're experiencing with our health? And then come to think of just the everyday circumstances of going to a clinic, or going to a doctor's visit, going to a hospital, would all come to an end. Only the rarest of most um, urgent cases being allowed into a hospital. And then when people passing away... Funeral homes are packed. They don't have room for more bodies. Who would have ever thought that here in America we'd be seeing bodies buried by the hundreds in the state of New York? Who would have ever thought that? If people need hope, I think it's the day in which we live now. How about our family and friends and relationships? You know, we're living in a day and age where we just want to spend time with our family. And you think there are times before the pandemic that we spent so much time with our family, we weren't trying to get away from them. And now we're just looking for the day that we can embrace them again. 
and where we can come together and hug each other and, and, and greet one another and not have to do an elbow bump or a, or a heel kick or, or a fist bump or something like that, where you can give a hug and say, there's no fear here. But relatives longing to see one another. Parents longing to spend time with their kids and grandkids, but are not allowed. Uh, but the emotional, the anxiety, uh, the frustration, the fears, all the struggles that are involved mentally because of everything that has taken place. And people seemingly are looking for hope. When's this going to end? When is the economy going to kick back up again? When am I going to be able to spend time with friends and loved ones? Fear, worry seems to be overcoming. And when there's nothing else to worry about, well, we look for something to worry about because that's what we do. You can't just sit idle. I don't want to just not do something. So we begin to think about what could go wrong, even though nothing may go wrong. Can I just remind all of you today, we have hope. In fact, in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I love what the Bible tells us in this verse. It says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? I mean, think about that just for a moment. The God of hope will cause you to overflow with hope as you believe. How is this possible? How can we have this hope from believing in God? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, I, I keep thinking about this verse for the last several days and thinking about this message and the idea of hope in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope, the very nature of God is that He gives us hope. I mean, think about this. He, he gave, He's the only one that could give us hope. He sent His Son to die on a cross so that we would have hope. He is the author of hope. He is the giver of hope. He is the, one, the very reason we have hope. And he says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. There's something we need in the world that we live in. Joy and peace. You see, he didn't say, he didn't say may the God of all hope fill you with all happiness. See, happiness can come and go, go, but my joy never fades. I have joy in the Lord. I may not be happy with the circumstances. I may not be happy with what's taking place in the world that I live in. I may not be happy with all these things that are taking place, but I have joy that is unshakable because of who Jesus Christ is. He says, now may the God of hope give you that joy. You want joy that is not based on circumstances? You must believe. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Peace is another word. In Isaiah 26, it says this, that we have peace because our mind is stayed on Him. When our mind is on Jesus Christ, on God the Father, we have peace. So he says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. There's the key. You have to believe that all these things that are taking place in the world that we live in is only a result of a sovereign God who is with us. And if you trust God, you have to know that He's in control of all things. If he didn't want it to happen, he could have certainly said, ah, that's not going to happen. But for whatever reason, he's allowed it. And we trust him that he knows what he's doing. But it doesn't stop there. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. Why? So that you may overflow with hope. Oh, man. It's not about being a pessimist. It's about being optimistic. So that you can overflow with hope. Hey, we're going to get through this. 
This is just for a season. It's just for a time. It's just a chapter in our lives. It's not going to end here. We're going to overflow with that hope. We're, we're optimistically and confident that God is in control of all this. And then he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And once again, believing and being able to believe because of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. When does that happen? When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? I mean, the reality is, is that when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, he says the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us as his children. And because of that Holy Spirit's living within us, now we have the ability to totally focus our belief and our trust and our faith and our confidence in God, who's going to allow us to overflow with hope. We have hope because of what he has done. But notice it doesn't stop there. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it states, This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Once again, we, we place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We begin that relationship with Him. This Holy Spirit indwells us. And then He says, This hope will not disappoint. I mean, think about that. There's a lot of things in this world that disappoint us. But the hope that we have in Jesus Christ will not. You know, there are a lot of people who are disappointed by what's taking place in the world. Maybe they think their hours shouldn't be cut. They need the income. Maybe they are disappointed that the stock markets are going up and then they just crash down lower and lower and lower. And they're disappointed. Maybe they're disappointed because of what they're seeing in the news. Maybe they're disappointed because, you know, whatever the circumstances may be. But Romans 5, 5 says, this hope will not disappoint us. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you'll never be disappointed. I can promise you that. He is there. He is faithful. Even when we are not, He is. He loves us. He says, because of God's love, it's been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Let that thought really sink in. God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Isn't that amazing? Well, where do we see that in Scripture? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even before we come to the realization that we are nothing, that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, even before we realize that we are sinful, He demonstrated His love. By dying on the cross of Jesus, cross of Calvary. And John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved us that much. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that think that, well, it's all about the do's and the don'ts. It's all about the rules and the regulations. It's all about what we can and cannot do. It's all false. What my relationship is built upon is just that, a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, it says in verse 17 that often we don't think of that verse along with verse 16. Everyone's heard of John 3.16. We see it in the signs at ball games and football fields and so forth in the stadiums. And people are holding up a sign that says John 3.16. God so loved the world. And that's so true. But when it comes to the relationship, verse 17 says, For Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. 
That's his desire. That's why Jesus Christ came down to this earth. That's the reason we celebrate today is because Jesus Christ came down with a desire, with a hope that you would trust him. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might believe. And that's why he went to the cross of Calvary. Jesus came to give us this hope. And this is the kind of hope, according to Romans uh, 5, that will not disappoint. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that awesome? That God loved us that much that he would send his son so that we might experience the hope in Jesus Christ alone. You know, this is exactly the gospel. Um, I love this. Um, he's made it so clear for us what the gospel is and why we truly celebrate Easter. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, it says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I pass on to you as the most important what I also see that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, and so forth. See, that's the Gospel message. That's why we celebrate this day. It was foretold in the Old Testament what Jesus would do, and then when He came in the New Testament, He did exactly as it was for, as foretold. He came. He gave His life. He died. And the very fact that He went to the cross of Calvary, the very fact that He shed His blood, the very fact that He was put into a tomb, the very fact that three days later the tomb, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty means that we serve a risen Savior. This is the real story of Easter. This is why we have hope. is because of what Jesus Christ has done for every one of us in giving His life that we might have hope. Here's the thing. In Psalm 42, in verse 5, it says, Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Isn't that amazing? You, ever, you know, there are a lot of people that talk to themselves. And I used to hear people say, Well, it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't start answering yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the psalmist here is talking to himself. He's kind of giving himself a little pepperell here, a little pep talk. The psalmist is reminding himself that there is hope in God. He's like, he's talking to himself. Why am I, why am I so, am I so dejected? Why am I in such turmoil? He's looking at the circumstances around him rather than in the God of the universe. And here's the deal. When we put our focus on everything else but God, there's going to be a sense of dejection. There's going to be a sense of turmoil. Why? Because our focus is on the struggle rather than the Savior who's trying to work in and through the struggle. He says to myself, the psalmist says, put your trust in God. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Without that hope in Jesus Christ, we'll be lost. We'll be sunk. Be worried about the circumstances of life rather than the Savior who allowed them. So my friend, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Uh, in the book of Psalms, 
Uh, there are several cool verses here that I was come across this week in my study. In Psalm chapter 39, in verse 7, it says this, Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. This is a declaration. He says, hey, I don't know what you're doing at the moment, but my hope is in you. What a position to be in. You know, there's a lot of things in life I don't understand. If I had to figure out a reason why this took place or why that took place or why this is going on over here, I can't figure that out. I don't know why God allows certain things and why he says no to certain things and why he's doing what he's doing. But the psalmist is just a reminder. He says, Lord, what do I wait for? I don't know what's next, but my hope is in you. Isn't that a great position to take? God, I don't know what you're doing, but my hope's in you. I don't care what takes place around me. My hope's in you. I don't care what so-and-so does. My hope is in you. I don't care what the stock market does. My hope is in you. I don't care what my employer does. My hope is in you. I don't care what takes place in this world that I live in. My hope is in you. And I'm just making that declaration. Make your mind up before it even happens. My hope is in you. If you go back just a chapter in chapter uh, verse uh, 38, verse 15, he says this. For I put my hope in you, Lord... You will answer me, my Lord, my God. He just says, listen, I, I, I don't know when exactly this is going to take place. I, I, I don't know the circumstances of it, but I'm just going to wait on you, Lord. I'm just going to wait on you. And uh, no matter what takes place, I, I'm just going to wait on you. You know, we should all get to that place where we just put our hope in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross of Calvary. You know, you may be watching today, maybe you're, maybe this, you know, the first time you've seen uh, one of our live streams, uh, maybe you're unfamiliar with all these things that I'm talking about. Maybe you say, well, this is just a different perspective of Easter than, than I've ever experienced. Maybe you know, your, your normal Easter Sunday is that you're getting up and your kids are looking for the baskets and they're trying to find their candy and they're looking for all these, uh, you know, you know, festivities of the day of Easter. But maybe this is all different because we're talking about hope this morning. And the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. You say, oh, how can I have this hope? You're talking about the psalmist who's saying, my mind's made up. I don't care what happens around me. My hope is in the Lord. Can I just tell you, you too can have this hope if you don't. And it really starts with something so simple as our ABCs. You know, for you, you know, for decades and centuries probably, who knows how long, uh, maybe exaggerating there just a little bit, but, but the reality is this. One of the first things that we all teach our kids as they grow up is their ABCs. You know, we sit there and we sing the songs with them and, you know, we get them to know. And then we brag to all of our friends and family members and relatives that our kid is smarter than the other kids because they already know their ABCs. And uh, it becomes a fact of of braggadocious, uh, you know, issues there. But it's as simple as ABC. This relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, it really starts as simple as our ABCs. A, admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, are you willing to admit that you're a sinner? That's the A, admit. We're all done, we've all done wrong. We've all uh, sinned before a holy God. We've all done things that we know we shouldn't have done. Maybe it's a wrong attitude. Maybe it's a wrong thought. Maybe it's we've, we've stolen something. Maybe we've lied about something. Maybe we've... You know, whatever the case may be, are you willing to admit that we're not perfect? Only Jesus Christ was. He came down this earth as a sinless human being to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. 
Are you willing to admit that you're a sinner? Letter B, to believe. In Romans 5, verse 8, it, as I read earlier, that he demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the cross of Calvary. It's not just a story that, of, uh, that somebody imagined in their mind. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of history that Jesus Christ died on a cross of Calvary. Do you believe that? That he came down to this earth. He left the splendor of heaven to experience the limitations of the flesh. You say, well, what limitations? Well, he hungered. He thirsted. He was tired. He wept. He took on the limitations of the flesh. He laid aside the splendor of heaven to come down to this earth for one reason, so that we might have the hope of heaven with him one day through a relationship with him. So A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay a price for the sin debt that we had. And then letter C, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10 and 13, is to confess and call. Well, what does that mean? Well, in Romans 10, verse 9, he says this. Um, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember, as we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Part of the gospel is that Jesus Christ did not just stay in the tomb. He arose. So he says in verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. So are you willing to confess Jesus Christ? I'm willing to admit that I'm a sinner, that I'm not perfect, I've done wrong. B, I'm willing to believe that Jesus Christ did exactly what God said he did. He died on the cross to pay my sin debt. And then let us see, am I willing to confess that Jesus is Lord? And uh, I repent of my sin. I confess my sins before him. And then verse 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you willing to call on Jesus? He said, for with a mouth confession is made, but with a heart one believes. You say, is it really important that I call on Jesus. If you want to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, yes. It's a simple prayer. It's a very simple prayer. A prayer of faith. Just acknowledging that, hey, I'm a sinner. I admit that. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that. And I want to confess that he is Lord and call on him to be my Savior. It's as simple as ABC. In just a moment, I would love to lead you in that prayer. You know, my prayer can't save you. I wish for a moment I could look at every one of my friends, my families, my relatives, my coworkers, everyone that I work with, and just say, hey, boom, you're saved. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You see, there are going to be many people who are religious that will never spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ because they've never admitted, believed, and confessed and called. There are a lot of people who say, well, I've done a lot of good things that will not spend eternity in heaven one day. Because it's not about the good things, because in fact, God's word tells us that all of our righteousnesses, all of our good works are as filthy rags in light of a holy Savior. The bottom line is, I can't do enough good. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which I have done. I, I have no works of righteousness in and of myself. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. If you could do something, it'd be of you. If you could somehow earn it, it'd be of you. If you could somehow pay your way into heaven, it'd be of you. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's why he says in Romans six twenty three, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You see, over the years, in fact, over the last 48 years, I've had birthdays. Uh, for 48 years now, just like clockwork, I have a birthday every year. And every year, I get at least one gift, it seems like. You know, when you're younger and you're in your ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, up until you're about a teenager, you get a lot of gifts. Turn 48, yeah, you're lucky if you get good cards. And, uh, you know, people remember. And uh, they say it gets worse as you get older, by the way. Um, but, you know, I've never had a gift in 48 years that I had to work for. I've never had a gift that I had to pay something for it. I've never had a gift that had strings attached. Well, if you do this, I'll give you this. You see, a gift is something that's presented. And that's why he says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You know, the, the due reward of what we've done as sinners is death. Physical separation from God for all eternity in a lake of fire. But he didn't leave it there. He says, for the gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's not in being a Catholic, a Baptist, a Lutheran, a, a Methodist, a Church of God, Church of Christ, or anything else that's on the spectrum. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you willing to A, admit that you're a sinner, B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and let her see, confess and call. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Put my faith and trust in him and call on him to be my savior. It's a simple process of prayer. I'd love to lead you in prayer. Maybe just for a moment we have this opportunity to pray. Maybe you're watching this morning and say, I've never prayed that prayer. I, I, I don't know what it means. I don't know how to pray. Can I just lead you in prayer? You can repeat after me and and. In, in the quietness of your heart, just a simple prayer. You can repeat after me and just remember my prayer will not save you. It cannot save you. But if you trust Jesus Christ and you want to have faith in him that is real and be willing to put your trust in him, would you pray this prayer and allow Jesus to be your Savior? Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross. That you shed your blood. That I might have forgiveness. And I ask for that forgiveness. Lord, I confess to you that you are Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I call on you to be my Savior. To be my Lord. And I ask you, God, to help me live for you. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe this is the first time you prayed that prayer. If you believe that prayer, and you trust Jesus Christ in your heart, and you have faith in him, God's word says that you're now a child of God. If that's your first time to pray that prayer, let me know about it. Send me a personal message. Let me know so I can begin to pray for you and just encourage you through prayer. And uh, I hope that you know him. This is the story of Easter. That Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to die on a cross, to be put in that tomb, to rise again, that we might have hope. That we might have this certainty of heaven one day through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. I hope that you know Him. I hope that you're trusting Him this resurrection day. And maybe 
you're with us today and you say, I've done that. I've put my faith and trust in Christ. Would you share that gospel message with someone else who needs that same hope? Would you take a moment to think through who are your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, your coworkers, and just be willing to share that hope with them that they too can have the hope that we talked about where it overflows because of our belief in him and the Holy Spirit that works in and through us. Would you share that hope with others? Well, let's close in prayer and then I'll leave you with a couple announcements. Lord Jesus, thank you for the hope that you've given to us through Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, that you loved us so much that you would send your Son, that we can have this hope. Lord Jesus, would you work in our hearts? Draw us closer to you this day. May we always be mindful of and never forget, never take for granted what you've done for us on the cross, the pain, the agony, the suffering that you went through on the cross of Calvary. Lord, thank you for the hope that you've given to us through that. And we praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, just a couple of announcements. Number one, thank you for watching us uh, on live stream today. If you would, like the link at the bottom of your Facebook stream and share it. Um, Sharing is how, as I say, say every week, is how the gospel message gets out through the links. It's the algorithm which Facebook uses, because once you hit that share button... It goes to all your friends list. And if they hit the share button, it goes to all their friends list. And it could be that somebody hears the message and will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity for you to be involved in sharing the gospel. So let me encourage you to hit that like button and to hit the share button. And that word will go forth. And we appreciate that so much. And as we say often, Nick and Becca and family, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you for getting our hearts focused on the message and and what Jesus Christ has done for us this glorious resurrection day. Thank you for taking the time to prepare for us. Nick and Becca, I appreciate that so much. And uh, so we've been able to worship through music. We've been able to worship through the word. And just a reminder, you can still continue to worship in your giving. You can uh, worship through by sending in your checks and you can hit the uh, easy tithe app uh, on our website and so forth. But God has taken care of us, and we're so thankful for your faithfulness in that area as well. But praise God for what he's done for us and for his provision and for his protection during this pandemic, weird time of history, this chapter in our lives. But I hope you have a great and glorious day, and uh, may God bless you as we go our separate ways. Have a wonderful day. Thanks.